this is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Ren Wadsworth. And I'm Maximus Hunter. We're going to have a great show today. We have some awesome people in the studio. we got a reporter. Brittany Liskey. As well as a very special shadow. Leah Wolf. Thanks, guys. Uh, we're going to have a lot going on on the show today. But first, Ren, what do we want our viewers to tell us today? Well... Uh, our guests today are actually um, part of a comedy brewers improv troupe. So, to fit the occasion, we wanted to ask you, our amazing listeners, to tell us a few jokes and the best ones we're going to read on air. So, go ahead and tell us your best joke, your worst joke, your corniest joke. Any joke will do. All right, you want to hear a joke? Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. So, uh, a guy is eating dinner at a restaurant and a panda walks in with a handgun. And I already don't like where this is oh, going. Oh, I love this joke. So, um,. The uh, the panda, you know, sits down. The waiter, you know, asks the panda what they want. And the panda orders their food, eats a few bites, uh, sh- shoots their gun at the waiter, and leaves, leaves the restaurant. And so later that night, the, the man was very confused about what had just occurred. So he goes home, and he looks in a dictionary, and he looks up panda. And the entry says, panda, eats, shoots, and leaves. Oh. Wow, that was the worst response a joke could possibly get. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, yeah. All right. Well, if you have a better one, you can go ahead and text us in at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is going to be 970-491-5278. We are dying to hear your great jokes. And once again, we're going to read those on air if they are, of course, up to par. Uh, There's a low standard. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, for the rest of our show, we're going to start it off with a little bit of local news with Leah Arshado, which is alliterative, and I love it, local with Leah. And then we're going to go ahead and meet Jess McMaster and David Austin Groen from the Comedy Brewers Improv Troupe. After that, we are going to do a little bit of campus news with our reporter, Brittany. Uh, and then we're going to meet Jessica Hoop. Yeah, so uh, Gregory James, who's a uh, member of the RMR here and a member of KCSU, actually... Um, spoke with Jessica earlier today and we've put that together to share with you it's pretty cool uh you know she's got some great music we worked a little bit of that in there it should be fun and then uh, at the end we're going to do our typical national days with Ren and I'll talk about just how cold it's going to be this weekend so we got all that coming up did we just get a joke text today we did not we Uh, got a little bit of support from another member here at KCSU who said they liked your joke thank you was (laughs) that was that DJ Sinclair it was DJ Sinclair Thank you, DJ St. Clair. I'm I don't glad know. He knows you, you appreciate me. I think it's me. a little bit biased, but we'll, we'll let other people decide. Anyway, but let's kick it off with Leah Local. Here you go, Leah. Hi, this is Local with Leah. According to Loveland Police, at approximately 6 a.m., a police officer attempted to stop a vehicle for a traffic violation near Cascade Avenue and West Eisenhower Boulevard. When the officer ran the plates through the database, they came back as stolen. The driver did not turn, stop, and crashed into a tree after hitting an ice patch. Shortly after the crash, the man ran from the scene and officers followed on foot. The man was soon found and after failure to comply, was taken to a local hospital due to injuries sustained from the crash and being bitten by a member of the K-9 union, uh, unit, <laughs> who's later taken to juvenile detention center. The report also includes there was a second suspect that report, reportedly stolen a white pickup before he fled the area. This suspect still remains at large. 
and both male juvenile suspects have felony warrants out for them for Wyoming. Anyone with additional information is encouraged to contact Detective Alex Hutchison at 970-667-2151. A report made by the Aviation, Aviation Division of the Colorado Department of Transportation notes that the economy near the Northern Colorado Region Airport has risen significantly. The number of jobs created on or near the airport has risen by nearly one-third in the past seven years, and the payroll for these same jobs has doubled since 2013. Additionally, the 2020 Colorado Airport Economic Impact Study has also indicated sharp rises in business revenue. This includes business developments and airport property. Overall, the Northern Colorado Regional Airport will contribute a total of $160.9 million to the regional economy. A House bill has passed in Fort Collins City Council that hopes to protect rural and small community pharmacies. Bill HB 20-1078 passed with a bipartisan vote of 49 to 12. As this bill proceeds, we will continue to keep you updated. The human being is making February sweeter than it already is by giving back the community with special events. Monday, February 17th is Guest Barista Day at Fort Collins Midtown location. From 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., Guest Barista students from 5 to Thrive will be taking, talking to customers about to suicide prevention. 10% of purchases made all day at this location will benefit 5 to Thrive. On Thursday, February 20th, all human being locations in Northern Colorado will be hosting Thankful Thursday. This month's Thankful Thursday honors social workers. Social workers work hard every day fighting for the community's children. To say thank you, the, the human being is inviting social workers to enjoy a $2 drink up to 20 ounces when they show a name, badge, ID, or uniform. For more information about these events or others, you can find it at humanbeingnortherncolorado.com. Alrighty, thank you, Leah. Thank you so much, yeah. That was our Shadow Leah, everybody, with the local news for today. Um, we are going to take a quick break and then start with our interview with uh, Jess and David from the Comedy Brewers Improv Troupe. But first, we did uh, get a little joke. Yeah, heck yeah, we did. Do you want to read, or sh should, uh, do you want to act this out, actually? Because it's, <laughs> sure. it's a dialogue joke. All right, I'll, I'll be the first person, you'll be the, uh, you'll be the second one, okay? All righty. Uh, let's see if I can find it first. All right. There it is. So. Uh, I love you. Is that you or the beer talking? It's me talking to the beer. <laughs> Man, that's a knee slapper. All right, if you got um, more jokes, text them in at 970-491-5278. That's 970-491-5278. Come on, we're going to read them out loud. It'll be great. Yeah, but don't go anywhere because we're going to have some real comedians up in the house with the Comedy Brewers Improv Troupe. So you're going to want to stick around for that. Only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Ron Wadsworth. And my name is Max Hunter. We just heard from our awesome shadow... Leah Wolf. Leah Wolf about uh, what is going on in Fort Collins. We have our other reporter in-house... 
Brittany Liskey. And later, Brittany's going to tell us what's going on at CSU. But as of right now, we have two very special guests. Please welcome to the studio Jess McMaster and David Austin Groen. Groon rhymes with moon. Groon rhymes with moon. Thank you. He's been bursting over here. I'm like, ah! I'm waiting to say that. <laughs> well, uh, you two are from the Comedy Brewers Improv Troupe, correct? Yeah, correct. thanks so much for having us. You're welcome. What do you guys think of the jokes we heard so far? So good. Spot on. I can't get enough. Mine? Uh, yeah, no, it is totally appropriate for this radio station. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, a, that's one it. way to put that's it. That's what you want to hear. It was yeah. a little black and white for me. But. Uh, I like that. That was good. I get it because it was about a panda. Mm-hmm. Well, if you, um, if it's you, a grammar li- joke too, so that always touches us on a different level because it, it has to do with Oxford comma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, I love a good pun. I love a good English pun. I'm, a, I'm an English major, so that's, uh, that's you know the way to get to my soul. Um, but if you have any more jokes you want to text in, that's nine seven zero four nine one five two seven eight with the jokes. But um, we're gonna we're gonna ask you some questions as, as seriously as possible. We'll try at least. Um, what makes improv different from normal theater or comedy? Oh, this is a fantastic question because every single time you you talk to somebody about improv, they always go off on how they like stand up or something like that. And stand up is so incredibly scripted. Uh, stand-up comedians videotape themselves and they like, you know what, what if I use just a different word there? I think it's going to be a little mm-hmm. funnier. And in improv, you are flying off the cuff for everything. No idea what you're going to say ever. It's a great warm-up for regular theater um, to kind of get in that mindset of, uh, I'm going to be this different character. I'm going to just go with what they think instead of what I think. Um, but... And the, the other really striking thing about improv is that it is a, I always say it's a handshake with the audience because they're in on the joke from the beginning mm-hmm. and they know that these people on stage have no idea what's coming next. And uh, when it, when you're sitting there with a, a stand-up comedian, there's, there's sort of an aspect of an us versus them where people are in the audience and they're like, you know, make me laugh. And when you're in an improv show, it's completely different because they know you don't know what's going to happen and they're there with you and it's far more immediate and honestly it doesn't translate well if you videotape improv or something and watch it later it it doesn't it's not near as funny as when you're sitting in the audience yeah. and watching oh that's it. a great segue because we have a clip ah. <laughs> <laughs> well this is going to be a knee slapper isn't it oh yeah oh yeah so this is a clip uh, i pulled from one of your youtube videos oh, sweet. Um, so ages ago then yeah, <laughs> yeah. 2013 cool yeah. <laughs> uh it seems like you guys are uh playing a game uh when i when i used to do improv uh in high school we called it change where yeah. you're sure oh. doing a scene and you'll uh hear a buzzer and when you hear the buzzer you have to change what you were saying sure yeah. sure um, so that's the clip we're gonna play right now, and this is uh, this is you guys. So it seems like your audience is just loving it. <laughs> yeah, that was actually an audience participation game where we had a couple from the audience up on stage. Yeah, oh, really? Yep. They were the one doing the buzzing. Yeah. Really? So is, that, is audience participation a pretty regular thing for you guys? Uh, I 
would say it's in about, uh, well, audience participation, yes, because they give us the suggestions for every single game, but uh, where we physically pull somebody up on stage, maybe two to three per show. Do you ever have people acting from the audience in your shows or no? No, never. Mm -mm. Well, uh, a little bit. I mean, in Moving Bodies, we get them to... Oh, I think, think, do you mean plants or do you mean... (laughs) Do you mean like people who are planted there, like actors for us, or do no, you mean like people from the audience? Got it. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, okay. So then, yeah. Move yeah, on. we have them participate in some in some games sometimes, and that is, uh, I mean, we've learned we've learned over the years what works. Kids, not so much, because <laughs> we've had my kids up on stage and yeah. and they're like, you know what, we're gonna put a uh, big kibosh on having kids anymore. But um, <laughs> but having and some people are uh, eager participants, yes. and you're like, chill out, dude. Yeah. <laughs> They're too eager. They're like, I'm a part of the troop now. Yeah. Well, uh, what? Uh, speaking of becoming part of the troop, what drove you guys to uh, try improv and join the Comedy Brewers? Yeah. Um... We got started in... Well, we didn't join it. We started it. Yes. Oh, awesome. Yeah, That's the, even better. Yeah, we're well, two of the founding the members of the six founding members there were. Um, but we started because David was speaking with Bob Blue Theater about starting an improv troupe. And at the same time, um, there are four of us, Dan Shearhar, Carrie Klitaski, Heather Osberg Johnson, and myself were in a show. And we were using a lot of improv for our warm-ups. Um, and long story short, First Night asked us to do a little spot in 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 that uh, event, and we did improv for that. Bob Lou kind of hooked us up with David, and that was that. We joined forces. Yes. To right on. United. Yeah. Stronger together. Exactly. More powerful than ever before. But still a force for evil. <laughs> oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so talking a little bit about uh, comedy brewers in general, how do you guys practice? Uh, we rehearse once a week every Sunday night, um, and we get together. Carrie Clitas, we sort of assign jobs in our group. Carrie's in charge of rehearsals, and we work on different things. Uh, for example, the last rehearsal, I think, what were we? We were doing music, actually. We yeah, have so a- we'll focus on a specific task. Correct. And um, really try to nail that, whether it be environment building, character work, um, say, you know, work on relationships within those characters and status, things like that. So we'll pick a specific thing to work on and and rehearse that way. There, there are a lot of uh, different aspects to improv and you know by honing those once we get into performance they just become second nature. Mm-hmm. Right on. So uh, is is do you guys have a big troop? Do you have a rotating troop? Do you have a core cast? Uh, I there weigh are, in at about 180. <laughs> there are eight <laughs> of us. <laughs> um, there are eight of us. Plus we just um, have we just joined with a new musician. Well, she's not a new musician. She's new to us. So she's our pianist, accompanist. Yeah, we're integrating <laughs> her. She, it's going to be her first show for uh-huh. us on when, this, this Sunday. This Sunday. Yeah. This Sunday. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. It should anyone care to attend. This is by no <laughs> means a call of action, but it is at Bob Blue Theater on Sunday night. Yeah. So, and you can check us out on Facebook if you want to look it up. Sunday night at what time? Seven p.m. Oh, really? So mm-hmm. you, you talked about the Bob Blue Theater. Do you guys 
perform or play anywhere else? Yeah, we do. Um, we do a lot of, well, we try to do a lot of brewery shows around town, kind of stick with the name, you know, comedy brewers. We brew comedy while they brew beer partnerships. Whoa. <laughs> um, hey, Ramscaler. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we also do private events, like people hire us for their show and things like that. Um, corporate events, holiday parties, things like that. The Four Cons Fringe Festival. Ever do any, like, awful corporate team building exercises? Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Is that actually, actually that no, they're, popular they can thing? be kind they of fun. Are, they're usually fun, yeah. Because uh, you, you find in those corporate events, everybody's really reserved, and they want to have fun, and you just need to give them the right excuse to sort of break out a little bit. And be a little silly. And be a little I silly. I see that. Yeah. I think everyone wants to be a little silly. Who doesn't want to be silly? Especially at work, where you're not right. supposed to be silly. Exactly. So we've talked about the Colorado... Uh, uh, comedy Brewers Improv Troupe as a whole, but we gotta, we kind of want to get a little more personal. So yeah. what is some of your favorite memories from some of your shows? <laughs> um, well, I, I can say that right off the top of my head. Uh, the We had a proposal last year. Oh, yeah, was, that was so oh. fun. Somebody so, proposed on stage. Yep, they had, there were two elementary school teachers, yep. and they, they, I think their first date was coming to one of our shows. Yep. And so the uh, guy, and I'm, I'm sorry I blank on their names right now, but oh he gosh, had arranged with us to play a game in which they were going to be on stage, and by the end of it, he proposed to her. It was uh -huh. so much fun. Yeah. Did she so say, cute. yes, she and said, I'm a dinosaur? And, <laughs> yes, in a crying well, you voice. You can't say no in improv. <laughs> exactly. So. Oh, he was that was smart, smart he of him. No he tricked her. <laughs> oh, that's but a, that was really awesome. I mean, that is. He, that's that yeah. was so special. Yeah, you know? that's so totally true. Yeah. yeah. So right easily my favorite, uh, one of my favorite. But we've had some great shows since then where we're just on fire and the audience is into it. And uh, and with what Dave was saying before, it's that handshake, right? So if the if you feel the energy from the audience having an awesome time, then you are too when you're up there. And it just feeds it back and forth to each other. Yeah, we, yeah, we had one show at a brewery in, in Windsor, Mighty River Brewing Company. Yeah. That was just out of Valentine's control. Day. Valentine's Day show. And everybody was just so happy. And, right on. Yeah, Packed house. Great. Oh, it was yeah. amazing. So yeah. I'm curious uh, about your, your handshake with your audience. Because So I used to I used to run an improv troupe in high school. Sweet. And um, I, I was listening to some of your guys' performances and looking at some of your guys' performances and um, I'm, I'm going to call you out a little bit. You did something that I personally thought was uh, not allowed for improv. Was it the, pants, the pants off thing? No, no. Actually, it, it was right before that. I didn't. I, I cut right before that. But uh, we're going to play a little uh, play a little clip. What and I'm, not to do. Well, and I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious if you guys are going to spot what I'm going to ask about. So we're going to play a little clip a right question, here. question, wasn't it? <laughs> One moment. Remember what we learned? Humans don't walk on their knees. They walk on their knees. <laughs> Does this make you feel more comfortable? We are on your level now. We like being able to sit walk. We like being able to dance a jig now and again. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think? Hmm. <laughs> so when I was when I was doing improv, I was I w was always taught to uh, never reference celebrities or pop culture in any way. Why? Why? Be I know I've never heard that. Because yeah. this this was like a really strict thing. I was all that was always taught to me. I mean, you know, I, I had like two captains, then I was the captain, so yeah. I kept you know perpetuating this. But the, kind of the. Uh, 
kind of the the mentality behind it, and uh, this is a funny story also about Shakira. Uh, <laughs> kind of the mentality behind it was a uh, concern that it would alienate any audience members who didn't know what that was, and uh, that actually kind of stuck with me because. I was uh, playing a game where I was supposed to guess that I was Shakira, mm. and I actually didn't know enough about Shakira to figure that out. So, so this is excellent because it we, happens to me all the time. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Carrie and I are kind of history buffs in the group, and, and and J Mac is a little bit less so, and and she's definitely more on pop culture. Interesting than yardstick I am. you're using there. Well, <laughs> a you, lot less so. And, and you're, I, and I have zero pop culture because I'm I'm a half a century old and I just lose things. So, uh, what happens is is you say yes to all of that. The audience says, uh, you know, Shakira or something, and I don't know a single song by Shakira. Let's say. They get me there because they're my teammates and they're going to know how to do it. Um, sounds like Bagheera. I don't know anything. We can, <laughs> we can get there. Uh, yeah. And, and it's not really, and it's actually really fun for the audience when you see that person floundering. You're like, oh, they don't know what that is. Either. Well, so it includes them, right? Because oh, the audience thought it was hilarious. Right, right. <laughs> there's people in the audience that actually, because we get an all ages show, we have kids and older people people as well and uh they don't necessarily know all the pop culture so so they go along with the ride yeah it, it's a good point that you bring up for sure um and and we do it sparingly i would say except in some games it is quite literally a an ask for like what's a celebrity that this person thinks they are um but we'll ask for things about that person as well so i think we get the audience to come along with us most of the time right on yeah so I remember also doing theater, but uh, I did not have as positive a reaction as Max did with improv. I remember improv was probably my least favorite part <laughs> of everything I ever had to do. Um, like and in I, life or just in theater? <laughs> ever, ever. Improv was the worst. No, just theater. Um, and uh, yeah, I always dreaded doing it. So I was wondering if you guys had a reason for improv. Like, why is it so important in the theater community? Well, so I really think that improv is almost closer to life than it is to theater itself. Because if you think about it, you're making up everything you're saying on the spot, right? Every day, all day. And it's really also about um, if you go into a room saying, like, I want to be the funniest, I want to be the best, people are going to see through that, right? But when you're on stage, your goal in improv is I want to build up my teammates, I want to make other people feel and look good. And as long as you're doing that in life as well, you're going to be a well-respected human, like right? Yeah. The, the, having an improv team is, is really huge on trust. Because like I said, I get up there, I don't know what the suggestion was. I just got to trust that these people are going to get me there. And they will because they know we know each other's strengths. And it's so much fun taking that ride, uh, especially when you have no idea what's coming next. Um, I, I started doing improv in 1988. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And, Geezer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, get my, get my walker. Before. <laughs> and uh, I, I moved here in 2010, and then when we finally started, because I hadn't been, I, I came from San Francisco, I was running an improv group there, and uh, I just, uh, after two years of sitting around, I'm like, ah, I got to do some improv. I'm going nuts. <laughs> and that's when I started to talk to Bob Lou about it. So Yeah, so to more directly answer your question, I think it's just like a great life skill. I, 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 I use it all day, every day, and refer to it. And I think it's just something that builds character. I always found it useful. I don't think I'd be here if I hadn't done right? improv. 
Um, okay, this is going to be our last question, but we will ask you more about, or at the end, about how we can see if we want to go do that. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> the uh, last question is for people at home who want to do improv, uh, what are some tips? We run a jam. Yeah, we have a, a meetup. Uh, you know, meetup.com, there's a, well, there is a thing called meetup.com. We run a monthly jam at La Dita that people can attend. It's free. So no prices here, not for a gajillion dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's just come out, come hang out, learn about improv and, and do some improv. Um, yeah, there are classes as well. And La Dita has classes arts, yeah. Yeah, as well that people can sign up for if they choose mm -hmm. to do that, awesome. if they choose to go that direction. I bet those are fun. I've missed some improv in my life. Maybe I'll go. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty, and also for those at home uh, who are listening in, who would like to learn more about the Comedy Brewers, where can they get more information? Uh, we perform. Uh, you, we have a website, comedybrewers.com. Um, so everything's listed there. Facebook, Facebook as well. That's a that's a almost updated more often than our website. <laughs> um, and yeah, Babalu Theater will have show dates and information. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. All right, Jess and David, it has been a pleasure having you on the show today. Um, we, uh, look forward to hearing uh, about all the laughs you guys create. Thank you. And if you want to create some laughs, you can text in your jokes to 970-491-5278. We're still taking jokes. We'd love to hear some more jokes. Yeah, uh, but we're, we're going to take a break, um, a real quick break. And then after that, we're going to have a round table about the new U.S. low-yield, uh, nuclear weapon that... Yeah, we're changing topics drastically. <laughs> drastically, uh, that, uh happened under the Trump administration. And then after that, we're gonna have a little bit of campus news with Brittany, hop right into the Jessica Hoop piece, uh, and then end the show with a little bit of National Day news and the weather. So you're gonna wanna stick around for that, only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm one of your hosts, Ren Wadsworth. And I'm Maximus Hunter. We're joined in our studio by our reporter, Brittany Liskey. And our lovely shadow. Leah Wolf. Thanks. And uh, we just heard from the Comedy Brewers, who are a local improv troupe. And uh, now we are changing the subjects pretty heavily. Yeah, right before we do that, though, we do want to ask the listener question, because we would like to keep it a little lighthearted in the studio today. So if you have any jokes or puns or anything of that nature, go ahead and text us in at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is 970-491-5278. And we got another one from Bruce. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, we did. And it said, I invented a new word. Uh, I don't think that's a joke. Uh, Bruce just wants to make sure he got credit for his joke, <laughs> I think. It's Bruce uh, who wrote that joke about the love of beer. And Bruce is from Castle Rock. Uh, I think it I, is a joke, but it's okay. Um, Ren, what do you call a blind deer? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> no idea. Man, I you guys are going to laugh at my jokes. I there's, wish I had a cricket uh, button. I, I think there probably is a sound effect. You I know, there's also one. a laughter sound effect you could play if you don't want to laugh. I had the little nose exhale. Does that count? That counts. <laughs> I got enough. a little short joke if you want one. Yes, yeah, please. Totally. What does the bison say to his son before he drops him off at school? I don't know. Bye, son. Oh, ah, nice. Wholesome. Wholesome. Wholesome, <laughs> yeah. Um, Alrighty, what but do you yes. call a cow with no legs? Oh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I was like, nice, I know that nice. one. My dad loves cows. All right, but what do you like, call a cow with three legs? Sorry, 
Um, Lean beef. Oh. Okay, let's move on. Max with the beef jokes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've just have I have so, so many. many, but about cows specifically, because my dad goes as a cow pun every year for Halloween. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Like I love one, your dad. One year he was Kawasaki, and he was like a cow with like, like socks. Like the film director? No, he just had like, he was a cow with socks on out. him. Kawasaki. I like that. Yeah, anyway. Okay. And like, he had a lawnmower one year, so he was Mulan. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, he has some good ones. Anyway, but like Max said, we are going to be shifting topics quite drastically because now we are talking about Trump's new nuclear weapon that has been deployed. Not not on anyone in particular, but it works. Right. Which is the, it the has news been here. announced. Well, and the the so the new nuclear weapon isn't actually a bigger, better nuke. It's a smaller, more precise nuke, which. Um, is something we didn't have before, I suppose. We didn't have quite as pinpointed of a nuclear strike. Which there are benefits and um, negatives to that. <laughs> yeah, let's let's ask the studio here. Do we have any thoughts, any questions? So, so, yeah, so essentially what, this what could it mean? is, is it just targets something directly. So instead of like a tragedy like uh, Hiroshima, which killed, I mean... Obviously, that's a bad example, but uh, that killed... Well, but that's, that's the example most people know of, uh, right. of a nuclear detonation. But uh, instead of uh, a catastrophe that kills a lot of civilians, instead it would... The idea is that it would attack specifically one region. So Which be, would still be Right. It would be a lower deadly. yield, but still is deadly. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. The um, Hiroshima, I read that it was going to be smaller than that one, so obviously not going to cause as much devastation and destruction, which having to use it at all, I don't really know about in the first place, but I guess um, if we're comparing it, it would be better to have it more precise and pinpointed in one location rather than just causing more destruction than necessary, if any is necessary at all. So the United States is the only country to have ever fired a nuclear weapon. Um, that is true. Yeah. Um, what... And this this is this is a pretty pretty abstract question here. But what do you think it would take for that to happen again? Would you think that the creation of a new low yield nuke will make it more likely that they'll be fired in the future? Well, nu when we talk about nuclear weapons, it's um it's a slippery slope to go down because just because the United States is the only one who has so far fired a nuclear missile does not mean we are the only ones with a nuclear missile. No, we are um, the only ones and, with this nuclear missile. Though. Right. Nuclear missiles are really hard because essentially we already made a pact that we wouldn't use nuclear weapons, and if we do, it's basically mutual destruction. So um, not, not a great thing to be theorizing about well do you oh that's that's what i'm curious is do you think that having a and and i'd love to talk about the uh connotation of the phrase no yield because i think that's ridiculous but um do you is think, it no yield or, or low, low yield, low yield, low yield. Yeah. Low yield. even so still a crazy euphemism to me well but, and that's that's what kind of is getting me about this is that like low yield is like, it sounds really nice. Like, oh, it's low yield. Like, no one really gets hurt. But people obviously are going to get hurt. Still a nuclear Even weapon. who aren't in the blast are going to get that nuclear radiation. Well, and, and that's and that's why I'm concerned if low yield and the whole, uh, the whole rhetorical explanation, the whole tactic of trying to downplay the dangers of this new nuclear weapon are in part because 
the people who made it could foresee this being a part of future wars and don't want to compare it to the kind of unspeakably unusable nukes of old. I don't know. I hope that's not their plan because, like I said, a nuclear missile is a nuclear missile no matter it's how bad news. little people yeah, yeah. get it hurt. Does, it does kind of feel like they're trying to downplay it by saying that it is a... What was it? A low, low yield, a low yield nuclear missile. But like Ren was saying, a nuclear weapon is a nuclear, a nuclear weapon. weapon. It's not gonna cause just a little amount of damage, whether no, it's, it's low it's yield or not. The most horrible invention ever invented. Which uh, another great question: Why are we still inventing them? Huh? I think the U.S. Um, I'll have to look up the statistic to be in fact, but we have so many stockpiles of this that we can nuke Mars twice over. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Well, yeah. <laughs> I remember taking a history class and we were talking specifically about nuclear weapons and specifically the US and Russia like to make bigger and better and cooler and faster nuclear weapons just because, not because they plan to make it. So I'm wondering if this is another one of those things like, oh, we made a smaller one now that like is low yield because the last one I think they made was in like 2016, Russia, um, and it was huge. And that's yeah, I just the what we know about of. that. Well, and and globally, possess possession of n- nuclear materials is really complicated, especially when America gets involved. Because since we're the only known users of nuclear weapons, we kind of like to police who around the world can and can't use them. And that's pretty clear with Iran and Obama's Iran nuclear deal. And then when President Trump uh, was elected, he immediately said, we're not giving Iran nuclear weapons. That You know, that's ridiculous. And that kind of sparked a debate about whether or not they needed our permission in the first place. And I think our country has a very complicated relationship with this horrible, devastating weapon that we've created. Yeah, I don't know. I think it'll be definitely interesting to see where this weapon goes and how it's used and how it plays out. Um, I think we're gonna probably change the change the topic here because we have some other stuff to cover in this this radio show. And oh man, this isn't this isn't really hitting my endorphins right now. It's a heavy one for sure. It's a heavy one, Brittany. You got anything a little a uh, little more fun for us? I do have something fun. Cool. For those of you who don't know, Elon Musk has created a song that is called Don't Doubt My Vibes. So I don't. I don't doubt. Nobody go out there doubting Elon Musk's vibe. That's He's it. always putting out a good one. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that and some campus news maybe? Um, yeah. So aside from that, um, I am Brittany Liskey, and this is your campus news for February 6th on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. As many of you are aware, the coronavirus, which was first detected in China, has spread to the United States. Colorado State University is making sure to closely monitor and follow the coronavirus guidance as outlined by public health experts, including the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. CSU is also in daily communication with health department experts at Larimer County and in the state office. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services implemented new guidelines this weekend for anyone returning from China. These guidelines require anyone who is arriving from travel to China to self-isolate or be in quarantine for 14 days, which is the incubation period for the virus, and to monitor their health. CSU asked students, faculty, and staff who have returned from China to the United States since January 17th to adhere to the federal guidelines and take the following steps. If you are a student and you have returned to China within two weeks, please contact the CSU Health Network at 970-491-7121. 
If you are an employee and you have returned from China within the last two weeks, please contact the Larimer County Department of Public Health. CSU would also like everyone to keep in mind that it is also cold and flu season, so please do not assume that someone who is sick or wearing a mask has coronavirus. CSU's Air Force ROTC detachment has been named the best in the country. This came from them winning the prestigious Right of Line Award. This honor was presented by the Air Force's Air University, which is part of their Air Education and Training Command, selected CSU's Air Force ROTC Detachment 90 as the top large detachment in the country, besting 49 other large Air Force ROTC detachments by evaluating cadet performance, community service, officer production, recruiting, and scholarships. I'd just like to stop you for a second. That's really impressive that we won that. I know. I was reading that, and I was like, oh, man, good job, guys. Let's do the CSU chant real quick. CSU. 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 Not Boulder. Go CSU. Anyway continue <laughs> yeah so congrats to everybody that's a part of that and uh csu is one of the northwest region's high flight award for top large detachment for f- four of the past five years wow really yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's incredible actually that's really really incredible yeah so this detachment 90 they're also known as the mighty 90 is made up of more than 200 cadets from csu as well as the University of Northern Colorado, Ames Community College, and Front Range Community College. So not all CSU, but CSU area. I'm proud of us. <laughs> Me too. And as said by Colonel Tim Childress, the commander of Detachment 90 and professor of aerospace studies at CSU, to be named number one in the country means a lot. It means a lot to us too here at KCSU. It definitely <laughs> does, yeah. And then coming up on February 6th, Dr. Z. Nicolaza, Assistant Professor for Trans Studies and Education at the University of Arizona Center for the Study of Higher Education will be coming to Colorado State University as part of a collaborative visit to host workshops and listening opportunities with several departments across campus. Nicolazzo will be sharing her current research on transgender college students to explore how gender creates tension points for students, faculty, and staff on college campuses. She will also be discussing what possibilities exist for a remain Reimagining gendered, reimagining, sorry about that, reimagining gendered futures. Dora Frias, the director of the Pride Resource Center, has said, as one of the leading scholars of the experiences of transgender college students, Z's work is critical as we continue to move forward efforts at CSUs to shift systems that create a thriving community for our transgender students and colleagues. If you would like to attend this event, it will be taking place on February 6th in the Lori Student Center North Ballroom. This event is open to the public but requires registration, which can be found on CSU's website. My name is Brittany Liskey, and this was your campus news on the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Thank you so much, Brittany. Yeah, thank you, Brittany. Yeah, of course. You did, uh, you did raise the mood. That, uh, that news about our ROTC is uh, really inspiring. Really cool, yeah. yeah. Alrighty, we are going to take a quick break, but then as soon as we come back, we're going to listen to a little bit about Jessica Hoop, and then we're going to finish off the show with a little bit of National Day news and weather. So you're going to want to stick around for that, only Sounds here good. on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I plan on catching the recap on the KCSU Sports Podcast. KCSU always has and always will bring you sports. 
Hi, this is Tommy Razor of Erotic and Cyber Razor, and you're listening to KCSU. This is a pre-recorded interview with self-described avant-garde folk artist Jessica Hoop and the Rocky Mountain Review's Gregory James. Enjoy. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Northern California, um, Sonoma County, actually. Apple country. Well, it's wine country now, but it was apples when I grew up. And how did growing up in that area affect your uh, musical preferences and uh, what um, what kind of genres you were interested in? Well, I had my mother and father's um, record collections. My mother's um, musical influences were more narrow than my father's, though I can't say that either of them gave me a full scope. My mother, well, she was deeply Christian, so I think her her tastes were... Christmases were good. We grew up on Bing Crosby Christmas. I I still enjoy a good Bing Crosby Christmas compilation. So there was there was um, hymns and Barbra Streisand that came through my mother. My father was old American folk, some pops, very little rock and roll. I have to say in my father's collections. I mean, rock went as far as like Crosby, Stills, and Nash even though you would might consider that in the folk realm, but it was, you know, classic folk rock. Neil Diamond, some great folk music in my father's collection, verging on pop, so Joni Mitchell. But what I learned from my my father and mother was old American folk music, some traditional, that kind of formed my foundation for what I knew about music as a child growing up. But I uh, I don't know about California in Sonoma County informing. I think my later days, I got into other stuff I found from my kind of chosen family once I moved out from home. So I fell in with Deadhead, like straight out of high school. So that gave me like Jimmy Cliff and Led Zeppelin and all sorts of classic rock that the hippies were into. And then I moved on from there into, you know, a broader scope of exploration. I, I just started from a really very narrow view, having been raised in deeply Christian, and my mother telling me that I couldn't listen to the Beatles past yeah. their record Help, and then breaking away from Christianity and falling more into kind of real hybrid type of environment and the world of music opening up to me once I left my Christian roots. What was it like? cutting ties from your family's Mormon faith, and how did it change your music? Breaking away from my parents, well, it was jarring, for one, but it, and mind-bending, for two, and scary, for three. But the best thing that could ever happen to me in terms of music, that it's just a never-ending journey. And um, I'm not saying that couldn't have had adventurous musical exploration. It's just that I'm not saying that Christians of all walks don't. I'm saying that my particular window as afforded by my parents was not. My dad was open-minded, but my mother wasn't. So going from there and getting to meet all different types of people, I got enjoy their musical tastes and their musical influences. Like I said, that brought rock and roll my way, which wasn't allowed to me as a Christian, um, and which also brought then hip-hop my way and music that was more explicit 
and my own music is explicit, not necessarily because of rock and roll, but because of love for the truth and being transparent about what it is to be living. As you became more independent and started your musical career, who did you look up to? Who did you idolize as, I want to be like that person? Well, let's just be very clear. I think that if you want to be like that person, you're just going to perpetuate most things that I hate about the music industry. And there's there's plenty of things that I dislike about the music industry. So what I'd like to see is more people come out as who they are. I learned from Kate Bush how to be myself in the way that she sings from her emotional body, or that's how I interpret what she's doing. She's singing from her emotional body. PJ Harvey sings from her emotional body. Tom Waits sings from his emotional body. And I'm singing from my emotional body, which gives you expression that can't be repeated. No one can sing from my emotional body in the way that I do. And what I mean by singing from my emotional body, I have my voice that is mechanical, and I have my emotional body that is, well, I just don't understand it. But it it gives me a feeling, and I sing from that feeling. And there's only one way to sing like Jessica Hoop, which is to sing from my emotional body. So <laughs> I'm right, the only yeah. one who, who I'm the only one who can do that. So I would like other people to do the same. I mean, to sing purely from my voice, I could sing like this, that, and the other person. But to sing from my emotional body, there's only one way to do that, which is to step into my shoes. You know, some of the people that I looked up to, Bjork, I looked up to to learn how to sing from my own emotional body. I can be no one else. I shouldn't try. It, whenever I do, I fail. I learn from genre. There's classic patterns that you can find in every genre, so I might pull those things in to what I'm doing. But I hope to sound like just myself. What would your uh, musical identity be if you had to choose? Well, I refer to myself as avant folk because... I'm not a purist in any way. The root of what I do is storytelling. But I fall into the avant-garde because I abstract from everywhere and draw that into storytelling. So at the root of what I do is folk music, stories from this time as I see it, but polluted by abstractions from everywhere. In those stories that you tell, there's the surface-level message, but is there any hidden messages that you have put into your songs that can't be seen at a first glance or first listen? I address storytelling in a poetic fashion. And I think that if you listen close enough, the through line, the message is clear, although I've been accused of being opaque. In some songs, I'm not necessarily going to disclose to you what I mean, and I'm going to play around enough to let you derive your own concoction. But so say the song Pegasi, which is from the, the record Memories Are Now. You found a map to my heart It led you to the well You combed out my mane all where you're settled And rains with all these stars at my feet I'll step and tap I'm drawing a metaphor about a relationship by using a constellation, two stars within that constellation. But it's enough for you to play with to get my meaning. In the song, uh, Free of the Feeling or Footfalls to the Path from... Stone Child. As every hand I've ever held, like water moves from me. For the feeling is poetic enough to let you do a little bit of puzzle work, but I don't think it takes long to understand what I'm on about. Red, White, and Black, another song from Stone Child. Take the old man to the river's mercy, wearing his father's coat and woven pedigree. Take his old friends from the gentry. 
poem that addresses racism and white privilege. It's very poetic because I'm trying to sort through my own understanding of a very complex subject. But if you know that I'm speaking about white privilege and racism, you can follow the dot. When you're writing a song, do you start by um, having poems that you've worked out and you put to music, or do you have musical pieces that you find poems that you've written for that you can fit in? It's just different every way. Every time I approach it, it's, it's just different. Do you have people who help you in this creative process? I generally write isolated, me, myself, and I. I have done collaborations, but if it's a Jessica Hoop record, it, but up to date, it's been me, you know, wrestling with it, me, myself, and I. You said you collaborated with other bands, other musicians. Uh, could you name some of them? I've only done one other co-write. Well, I've co-written with Blake Mills. Actually, that's not so... so He's written some of the stuff on on a Jessica Hoop record um, in terms of the music side of things. Lyrically, it's always just me. And then I co-wrote a whole record with Fam Beam. It's called Love Letter for Fire, Iron and Wine's Fam Beam. <laughs> I'm doing a tour with Ani DeFranco coming up. Coming up on a Saturday, February 8th. Thank you for your time, Jessica. Thank you very much for your time. All right, and that was uh, Gregory. Yep, Gregory James, RMR's Gregory James. Uh, yeah, and ta- he was interviewing Jessica Hoop. Yeah, yeah, I, I really liked that one. Um, I really liked what she had to say about being an artist for yourself, and you can sing like someone else, but if you sing from your own emotional self, it's going to be better, because uh, I, I make music, I think that's true. Yeah. I don't make music that good, but I think that's true. Yeah, so thank you, Gregory, for being able to get that interview with her. Yeah, totally. Uh, Ren, what day is it today? Today is February 6th. And it is also National Frozen Yogurt Day. This dessert has gained a lot of popularity since its creation in 1970. Much to the popularity, much of the popularity of frozen yogurt is due to it being seen as a healthy alternative to ice cream, as well as the v- wide variety of flavors and toppings. Uh, when the dessert was first created by H.P. Hood, it was called Frogurt, which I love so much. Uh, much of frozen yogurt's popularity came from the 80s, but the demand for the tart treat is making a comeback today. Um, I personally really like frozen yogurt. Um, I'm bad at recipes, so I don't know how much more milk there is in yogurt compared to uh, ice cream. I don't cream. think there's milk in yogurt. Well, I pretend there's not, even if there is. <laughs> um, anyway, so today also celebrates a simple but ancient utensil. Today is National Chopsticks Day. Chopsticks originated around 1200 BC in China when cooks used long chopsticks to cook the food in hot cooking pots. Later, around 400 BC, cooking fuels became scarce, so as a result, uh, food was made in smaller portions to reduce the amount of resources needed to prepare it, leading to smaller cooking pots and chopsticks. Due to the already small pieces, sharp utensils were unneeded, and chopsticks soon transitioned to the dinner table. Chopsticks can be made from many different materials, including wood, metal, and even jade. The chopsticks can be plain or elaborate and sometimes feature intricate paintings or carvings. Fun fact, the type of uh, chopsticks you are using or the type of uh, usually matches the type of food you are eating. For example, 
Uh, if you're eating Japanese food, you're most likely using wooden chopsticks or bamboo chopsticks, where if you're eating Chinese food, you could uh, are more likely to be using plastic or laminated chopsticks. And with Korean food, I often use metal chopsticks. I did so not know that. Be sure to match your chopsticks to your food, folks. I was one of those kids where like my dad wanted to make sure I knew how to use chopsticks when I was like two years old because he thought it was super cute when I ate sushi. And he, he really messed up because he got me like addicted to sushi sushi's my favorite food and then he was like oh i'm not gonna pay for you to like do that as an adult and i'm like wow so now every every time i see my dad i'm like we're getting sushi right because you're buying and he's like i have made a terrible mistake but i guess oh (laughs) well that's almost the end of the show but before we close it out for the night there's something that we need to address that's in the air oh i'm so sorry what (laughs) (laughs) nothing nothing let's uh, just play the weather man okay (laughs) i was like what is it it's time for the weather oh yeah temperatures have been steadily rising since our winter wonderland on monday but that's not gonna last for long sadly throughout your weekend you can expect the weather weather to fluctuate, just like my pronunciation of the word weather, but for the clouds to be constant through it all. So it's it's not going to be great. Uh, it's not going to be freezing. It's going to be in what we like to call the gray murky zone. Uh, today was the high of the week, so temperatures are going to peak at about 40 degrees today, and, and they didn't really. Uh, tomorrow, the temperatures are going to drop to a high of 31, and there is a high chance of snow So if you're planning on going on a long drive or something along those lines, take a second, look at the road conditions, make sure you're ready, because tomorrow night, it's probably going to just come down. Uh, Starting off your weekend, temperatures are going to rise again, hopefully to a high of 44 on Saturday, so that snow melts, but then it'll drop back down to 28 on Sunday. So there's a possibility that snow could stay all the way into Monday, where the temperatures are at a high of only 32 degrees, which would not melt that snow. So it might be a pretty cold weekend. If you want to know what happens on Tuesday, uh, check out our show on Tuesday. The Rocky Mountain Review happens every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5. And if you missed anything you thought was interesting, you can find all of our content on our website, KCSUFM, under news. Heck yeah. You totally can. Yeah, you can. (laughs) It is... That's not fake news. That is true news. Real news. That is the made true by truth. us. Um, alrighty. But that is now, unfortunately, the end of our show. So we do have to say goodbye. But before we do that, we're going to thank a couple of people, starting with Damien Castile, who made this song. He makes that song. And other songs. And on other the show. songs in the show, like our intro and some of our break music. But uh, we also have to thank our reporter, Brittany Liskey, as well as our uh, shadow today, Leah Wolf. Yeah, and then we also have to thank our awesome uh, reporter out on the field. Uh, Oh, yeah, Gregory James. Can't forget about Gregory James. That was a really great uh, piece. And speaking of which, we really should uh, thank, you know, uh, everyone who came in here. So yeah, that's we have to thank the David and Jess. We got to thank David and Jess. And we also got to thank uh, Jessica, um, Jessica Hall. Jessica uh, Hoop. Hoop, thank you. We got to thank Jessica Hoop. 
because uh, without Jessica Hoop, we wouldn't have had that awesome piece. And so we got to thank them. Who else do we have to thank, Ren? I think we should thank all of the Comedy Brewers troupe for oh, yeah. allowing David their founders to come in, uh, give them oh, up yeah. for a night. And then we have to thank everyone and just everyone at KCSU. So does that include Julia Badalese? Does that include Hannah Copeland, Isaiah Reyes, Peter Walk, Monty Daniels, Mia Sawaya, Hunter Sinclair, Asher Korn, Taylor, Desiree, Sam, and everyone it does include everyone and more we and couldn't I, do this without we you we couldn't do it without you and i have to thank you max thank you for everything you do on the show it is always such a blessing to work with you thank you ren and with that 